please open your Bibles this evening to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24. The title for tonight is All or Nothing. Sometimes people, when their team isn't doing so well, say things like, well, I like the Dodgers, but I kind of like the Giants sometimes too. Yeah, and you are groaning because that's pathetic. You don't ever like the Giants. But isn't there something a little disgusting, non-committal about someone who is all for something, but when that's not going too well, they're all of a sudden for its rival, just so that they can always be on the winning team. That happens sometimes. A lot of you do the same thing with Jesus Christ. You are for him at camp, and you are all about him on Sunday morning, and you're all about him on Wednesday night or whatever it may be. But you go home, you're by yourself, or you're with other people, with other friends, and you are all about whatever they are all about and whatever competes with Jesus Christ. And that is a significant problem. And my eyes and heart was drawn to Joshua 24 last July after this camp. When we thought about the theme for the next year, and we've known this theme for a long time, I immediately began thinking of this passage and you. This passage will not let you be half in Christianity and half out. Won't let you. So we're going to look at Joshua 24, verses 14 through 28 tonight, and I'm hoping that we start off camp strong. That if there's things that you need to own and confess and repent of to the Lord that you do it. Maybe for some of you, you've said for many years that you're a Christian, but it's kind of not entirely true. You have other things that you care about more than Jesus Christ. And I hope this night is a turning point for you. And for those of you who are in Christ, I hope it reminds you of the way you once lived and the things that still compete for allegiance with Jesus Christ. And I pray that you walk out of here more strengthened. This, this week would be a significant moment in your life to where you can say, no, I'm gonna get very good at putting to death sin and things that compete for Jesus Christ and idolatry. I'm gonna get very good at that because I wanna follow my Lord. And guess what? He gives strength to do that. You're not on your own. So all or nothing. Tonight, we're asking this question. What kind of commitment does it take to serve the Lord? What kind of commitment does it take to serve the Lord? And this passage is going to show us two thoughts about that, two views about that. The first view is the wrong view. The first view is the wrong view. So two views about how to serve the Lord. The first view is that to serve the Lord takes a simple commitment, and that's the wrong view. Verse 14, Joshua gathers the people before him. They're about to go into the promised land, the promised land they've been waiting for for a long time. They've been traveling around a long time. Not, they haven't been in the promised land yet. They're about to go in. They've conquered other nations. They're ready to go in, and he stops, there, stops them. There's a significant time in their life, and he stops them, and he preaches to them, tells them something they need to hear from the Lord himself. And it reminds me of this. This is a significant time. Camp regeneration doesn't happen all the time. A lot of effort goes into this, a lot of work, a lot of miles, a lot of money, a lot of lots of lots of things goes into putting this on. And this is a significant time in your life. I've talked to a number of older people in the last week or two that have asked about camp regeneration. They say things like this. 
I remember when I went to high school camp. They say it all the time. I talked to a pastor that said, I remember the sermon that was preached when I went to high school camp. This pastor's in his 60s. Think of how many sermons you've heard. Think of how many sermons this man has heard. He's a preacher. He's heard many sermons. He says he remembers the sermon he heard at summer camp that changed his life. And I think this is the message that we need to look at. Before we start talking about being strong and steadfast and immovable as Christians, I want to ask you the question, are you sure that you are a Christian? I think many of you may think you are, may say you are, may know you're not. Many of you are. Many of you are. And you're going to be reminded tonight that you made the right decision. And that's crystal clear. So I pray that tonight is the not just a marker for this week, but a marker for the rest of your life. This is a significant time for the people of Israel. They're about to go in the promised land and Joshua stops them. And he says this in verse 14. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Joshua says, fear the Lord. Be afraid of him. He created everything. He's all powerful. He can wipe you out. Be afraid of him. You need to think about how awesome he is. He's not just a wooden block you set up in your living room. He's the creator of the stars. Fear him. Understand his righteousness, his justice. Fear him. You have to deal with him. So tremble before him. And he says to serve the Lord. Following God, being a Christian is about serving the Lord, not about just getting things from him. It's about doing, saying to the Lord, whatever you want me to do, I will do. I'll do it with joy. Whatever type of person you want me to marry, I will marry. Whatever type of way that you've gifted me to serve in the church, I will do. I will do. I, I will profess your name. I will tell people about you. I, I want to do what you want me to do. We serve the Lord. And Joshua says, serve the Lord with sincerity. So what does that mean? It means that when you serve the Lord outwardly with your hands or with your mouth, that you mean it in your heart. Serve the Lord with sincerity. When you do Christian things, make sure you mean them from your heart. Serve the Lord with sincerity and with truth. So when your mind strives against sin, when your eyes commit to looking away from evil, make sure that your heart is committed to looking away from evil. Your heart wants to run from sin. You're not just doing it to to kind of put on a show. Serve the Lord in sincerity and in truth. He says, put away the gods your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt. They've grown up serving idols because that's what their dads did. That's the religion they knew. I'm worshiping idols. My dad worshiped this idol. It kind of worked for him. That's what I'm doing. Put away those gods. Now listen, some of the gods these people served were gods like the rain god and the moon god and the sun god. Why in the world would they serve those things? Well, they needed rain and they needed sunshine because they had crops and they needed food. And so they were going to Serve the Lord, the God of Israel. Sure, we'll serve him. We'll go do those sacrifices and we'll pray to him and we'll do all the things that he tells us to do in his law. We'll do all that. But the other nations kind of serve these other gods which bring them security sometimes so can't hurt to kind of do both. When I want things from the God of Israel, I'll pray to him. When I want things from this other God, then I'll kind of go to him but I'm still committed to the Lord. It's the wrong view. It's the wrong view. They were saying that they served God, but they needed more sometimes. Sometimes they needed 
to actually see God. Because all they knew is when he talked to Moses and, and the words that were in the law, they didn't see him, and that was a problem for them. So they wanted to serve something that they could see. It's the wrong view, wrong type of commitment. Verse 15, he says this, if this is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods of your father, sorry, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Many of you have heard that verse before. Choose this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Some of your grandmas have it in, on a mug in their kitchen. Probably. Yeah. yeah, okay, yeah, that's right. Some of you probably got the shirt that says that from the Christian bookstore. You have it as your family has it when you walk into their house. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. I'm not mocking them, I'm just saying that's typically when you drink coffee, you see that verse at the bottom. You know this verse. But when you hear, choose this day who you will serve, most of us think, okay, he's calling us to choose God or idols. He's not doing that here. You know what Joshua's doing? He's in a sense mocking them. He's saying, you haven't chosen the Lord, the true God of Israel. You've chosen pieces of wood and other types of God. Choose which one of them you'll serve. Choose which one of them is gonna save you and help you. Go ahead, choose. And I think tonight we could ask the same question. We could give the same command. You're not fully committed to the Lord, perhaps. So I'm gonna ask you, as a pastor, as just a friend, choose which one of the idols that you serve and throw your whole life onto them. If you serve sexual immorality and wanna do what you wanna do with who you wanna do it, how you wanna do it without anybody bothering you, then take it. Take it. You know what's coming to you. You try to deny it, but there's coming pain. There's coming mistrust or a lack of trust in future relationships. There's coming sometimes physical pain, emotional pain, hurt. And if you get away with all that, none of that does come. The wrath of God is coming. And it's real. And many of you are serving that God even as we speak in these days. Sexual morality is your God. So choose it if you want. Some of you, your God is you. You love you some you. You love your picture. You love your death to selfie. Death to selfie, okay? Not just because you can't have your iPhones this week, but just in general, death to selfie. You love you. And you want other people to love you. You want other people to love the way you look, the way you sound, the way you smell, everything. You want people to love you. And you wanna bank your whole life on you being seen as wonderful. That's all you ever think about. It's what you've thought about coming to camp. Who's gonna think I'm wonderful? That's all it is. And, and listen, beauty fades. Your face goes out of style. It just does. You're not always gonna be the most beautiful. You're not always gonna be the best smelling. You're not always gonna be so wonderful. And there's gonna be times when people are more enamored with other people, not you. Listen, 
Stop worrying about everyone liking you and loving you. That's not what you're created for. You weren't created to be the king or queen of the world. You were created to worship the king of the world. And I want you to be fascinated with him. And everything you need to know about him is all in this. And he is fascinating. And he is wonderful. He's, like I said, the creator of the stars, the creator of the seas. He's the one who gives you breath. Today, he's the one that's holding all things together. He's the one that owns everything. And he loves you. Even as a sinner who's offended him, he is angry with you, but at the same time, he has sent his son as an act of love for you. That's the one you want to be fascinated with, not yourself, not yourself. So he's saying, choose who you want. You don't want the Lord, choose what you want. Choose the God you think is going to save you for the next million years. Choose the one you think is going to give you ultimate satisfaction. Choose the one you think will do that. 1 John 2, 15 through 17, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Because all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. The world is passing away and also its lusts, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Just choose this day who will serve. And then he says this, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And you do not know how unpopular that was. He was saying, as for me and my house, we can shatter all these other idols. We are serving the Lord, the God of Israel, and him alone. And that would have been shocking to the people around him. Shocking to them. This is a man in a group of people who is not willing to kind of be popular with the world and be popular in the church, just kind of whenever it was convenient. He would not do that. Some of you need to be Joshua. The world is full of 14 to 18-year-olds who live for the world. That never ends well. They're only a handful. And by God's grace, they're in my youth group and they're in your youth groups and you know some of them. They're a handful that live solely for Jesus Christ and his glory alone and his approval alone. And that's a beautiful thing. Listen, you want to do something great in this world? Serve Jesus Christ. Again, that's what you were created to do. And hardly anybody does that. So Joshua takes a stand. As for me and my house, I'll serve the Lord. Listen, you need to get very good at seeing idols for what they are. They're worthless. They will not satisfy forever. They will not save you from the consequences of your sin. They just won't do that. But you have to get very good at seeing that Jesus Christ is the treasure and you give everything to follow him. If you do that, you will go back to your school's in the fall, you will go back to your homes and people who don't know him and you will say, I'm taking a stand for the Lord. The things I used to do last year with you guys, I'm not doing those things anymore. Well, why? Because me, I'm serving the Lord. Yeah, but you can still go to church on Sunday and come party with us. As for me, I'm serving the Lord and serving him only. Who's gonna do that? How many of you are gonna do that in September? The Lord deserves all of you doing it. That's what he deserves. There's every single soul in here having their affections and their motivation being on his glory. It's what he deserves. 
For me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. It's the only logical decision. Listen to Psalm 96. Just listen to these words. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. It's getting louder and louder. Everyone, sing to the Lord. Proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Tell of his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all the peoples, because great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Listen. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. All your gods are just idols. The Lord made the heavens. He rules history. He created everything. He created the ocean that you're enamored with. And if you're enamored with the ocean, imagine being enamored by the one who created the ocean and you're living for sexual immorality. All the gods of the peoples are idols, but he made the heavens. This is the one we serve. And it seems so logical to so many of us that we would only serve him and him alone, but it's not always the way it is. Verse 16, the people answered and said, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. No, no, we're not gonna forsake the Lord to serve other gods. We're not gonna do that. For the Lord our God is, is, is the one who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage and who did these great signs in, in our sight and preserved us through all the way in which we went and among all the peoples through whose midst we passed. The Lord drove out from before us all the peoples, even the Amorites who lived in the land. We also will serve the Lord. He's our God. Notice the last words I said. We will also serve the Lord. He's our God. They're saying, we won't, leave, we, won't, we won't abandon the Lord. We won't stop serving him. But you know what they were not saying? We also won't abandon our idols. We won't abandon the Lord. He, he, he brought us out of Egypt. He did all these wonderful things. And, and these people can recite their history. They know their Bibles. They know the story. They know theological truths. God is great. God is awesome. God knows everything. God is all-powerful. They know these things, and some of you know these things in your head. You know them. You say, I I won't disregard the Lord. He's strong. He's powerful. He's wise. I know him. I know the history. They say that they are his people, but it doesn't mean that they are. You know this verse because I'm sure your youth pastor has quoted it many, many times. It's a favorite of Bible teaching youth pastors, and it should be. It's a simple warning to the students we love. Matthew 7, 21 through 23, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who's in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Just because you say that you are the Lord's doesn't mean that you are. Are you serving him completely? Have you forsaken all to follow him? Or do you just think that Christianity is just simply about a commitment? You prayed a prayer once. Or when people say that they're a Christian, you think, oh, me too. The wrong view is that Christianity is about a simple commitment. It's not about a simple commitment. The right view is this, point number two. To serve the Lord takes an exclusive commitment. An exclusive commitment. Not a simple commitment, an exclusive commitment. 
verse 19. One of the most shocking verses in all of the Bible, verse 19. Then Joshua said to the people, you will not be able to serve the Lord because he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. I mean, how many times do you hear that? You know, you, you, you go to your youth pastor and, Pastor, I, I'm convicted over my sin and I want to I wanna ask for the Lord's forgiveness. Imagine your youth pastor saying, smiling, looking at you, saying, he won't forgive your sins. Whoa, that wasn't very kind. And he's right. Because if you're simply confessing your sin, but still holding on to it in some way, not confessing everything, allowing other things to come between you and the Lord, trying to hide certain things, trying to cover up certain things, trying to think that you're not all that bad, the Lord's not going to forgive your sin. The Lord came for the sick, not those who are healthy. Own the fact that you're sick. That's the one he forgives. Why won't he forgive people who just think that they're kind of half in and half out? Because he's holy. He's perfect. He only wants perfection. Only perfect people go to heaven. That's a problem for us. I don't know about you, but I'm not perfect. Sometimes I think I am and act like I am. That's pretty ridiculous. I'm not perfect. Neither are you. Sorry to burst your bubble, but welcome to camp. We're not perfect. We're fallen. But the beauty of the gospel is that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, and hear this as if you've never heard it again. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life in your place. And hear this as if you've never heard it again before. He sent his son to live a perfect life that you did not live, but that you get to keep. And his son took all of your sin. Pretend you've never heard that before. He took all of your sin. And he lived the perfect life for you in your place. He died the death you should have died. He rose again, proving that this thing is real. And the father has accepted his sacrifice on your behalf. And you know that you get to go to heaven one day and you go because you're perfect. Not because you're perfect, because he's perfect. And because he's perfect, you're perfect. So if you don't admit your sin, if you hide your sin, if you excuse your sin, you're not going to heaven. Because he's a holy God. And he needs a perfect person to be with him in heaven. Nobody else. And you have that in Christ if you're a believer. He's a holy God and he's a jealous God. He has given undivided love and he wants the same from his children. He's given you undivided love and he wants the same from his children. He's a holy God. He's perfect, he's holy, and he's jealous. And Joshua says, he will not forgive your transgressions. If you try to hide it, if you try to keep serving idols at the same time, you won't be forgiven. He sets the terms. Verse 20, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he's gone to you. About a year ago, I was on the phone in, uh, I was at my sister's house up in Northern California near Hickman. And I was on the phone and and I was talking to a friend and I was kind of walking around their neighborhood. I don't really know the neighborhood very well, but I was kind of walking around it and there was a cul-de-sac. And all of a sudden I saw this big dog. Yeah, big dog. And the big dog was not on a leash. I thought, 
that's not, that's a problem. And it was at night, so I was trying to kind of just turn and walk away so the dog wouldn't see me. And I was turning and kind of keeping my eye on the dog as I'm talking on the phone. And guess what happened? Turned, noticed me, started coming after me. The Lord put a pickup truck there, so I hopped in the pickup truck and stood like an idiot in a pickup truck talking on the phone. (laughs) But I'm not really a dog person. Some of you are, I'm sorry, but they, they tend to bite people sometimes. And that look when that big dog turned and saw me, it's not a fun look. It's not a fun feeling when you know that I'm a goner here. And listen to this language. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you. Now the Lord sees everything. He knows everything. But the picture is, it's as if the Lord says, now I'm coming after you. And that's what the Lord's going to do to every single person that does not bow the knee to him. He's going to come after you quickly. And he's going to do you harm. And he's going to consume you. And listen, some of you are thinking, that's not kind of the Lord. What kind of God is that? That's a very mean. Look at the end of verse 20. If you forsake the Lord and serve other gods, foreign gods, and he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done good to you. The Lord is not an unkind God. He is the opposite. He is the most kind God. And you have spit upon that kindness. That's why you will be consumed. You're not going to suffer the wrath from God because he was mean. You're going to suffer because he was just and he was kind to you. He gave you his son. He gave you his son to live your life. You can have his perfect son's life. He has only been kind to you. You can see the ocean tonight. He is kind to you. You're breathing tonight. He's kind to you. You are not in Iraq being chased out of there and killed as a Christian. He's kind to you. You are rich and wealthy more than almost anyone in the world. He is kind to you. He gives you taste buds so you can taste good food. He's kind to you. He created this world, you're living in it, and he is kind to you. If you do not bow the knee to him, he comes after you, consumes you, will harm you, not because he is unkind, but because he was kind to you, and you didn't care. He is so good to us. He is so good to us. Verse 21, the people seem to get it now. People said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. Verse 22, Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen for yourselves the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Joshua's saying this, okay, you're saying now that you understand what I mean. And you're saying now that you will serve the Lord. Okay, look around you at the people standing next to you. You're witnesses. 
You're saying that you're going to serve the Lord. You all heard that. He's going to serve the Lord. You're witnesses. You all hear that? She's going to serve the Lord. He's going to serve the Lord. Do you all hear that? That's what he's saying. You can't just say that flippantly. You can't just say that casually. You now know what it means to serve the Lord. He is the one that you follow. Your allegiance is all for him. And now when you make a statement that I am serving the Lord, people should know that. People should hear that. People should be witnesses to that. And that's what he's saying. Verse 23. Now therefore put away the foreign gods which are in your midst. Tells him again. Put away the foreign gods that are around you right now. And incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. The people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and we will obey his voice. This is a little different from their statement a few verses before. Now they want to serve him and they want to obey him. Starting to get it. They'll put away their gods. And they will serve the Lord and obey his voice. There's a uh, famous, in Christian circles, lady in the last couple of years. Her name is Rosario Butterfield. Rosario Butterfield was a professor back east. And she was interviewing a Christian, a pastor. And she was going to interview this pastor and see what he thought about homosexuality because she was a lesbian and she hated that Christians didn't think that homosexuality was okay and she thought Christians were hateful and she was gonna kind of set the record straight and she wanted to interview this pastor. So she interviewed this pastor and she was won over to Christ because of the way this pastor lived for him, conducted himself, conducted himself and the message that he spoke, the gospel of Jesus Christ. She was won over to Christ. And she did what Joshua was calling the people to do here. She forsook her idols. She broke up with her girlfriend. And that's a significant matter. She threw everything away in order to follow Christ. Rosario Butterfield tells a story about how she went to church one day. She was, she was a new believer and she went to a church and she asked a person she hadn't met before, she asked them, she said, I gave up my girlfriend for this. And she asked the person, what did you give up? Let me ask you the question. What did you give up to follow Christ? What did you give up? Was it doing your own thing sexually, making your own rules, hiding your sin so that you can kind of do what you want. For some of you, I hope you give up or have given up your self-righteousness. You look at people that are maybe homosexual or sexually active or doing horrible things, hurting people. You look at those people and you think, I would never do that. And you think that you are okay with God because other people are not. And that's a problem. It's called self-righteousness. I hope, that you, I hope you let go of the fact that you think you're righteous enough. I hope you embrace your sin and confess it. And tell the Lord, I'm not righteous. I am nothing. I'm a beggar. I'm filthy. I should be in hell. 
And I don't care what those murderers and homosexual people are doing. I know how bad I am and I need to be saved. I hope that's what you gave up. So let me ask you the question, Christian, what did you give up when you came to Christ? What was it? What did you give up? Let me ask the question to the, to the young person who's not a Christian in this room. And I'm glad you're here. I'm very glad you're here. But I'm going to ask you the question. What is so great that you won't give it up for Jesus Christ? What is it? Some of you have notebooks. Write it down on the paper. If you don't have notebooks, think about it in your mind. Have a reason. What are you not willing to give up in order to follow Christ? The one who promises eternal life the one who promises eternal satisfaction, the one who promises that you can be right with the God of the universe, what is it that stands in your way of that? Because it's something. Notice what Joshua says. He says, put away your foreign gods which are in your midst and incline your hearts to the Lord. Christianity is a heart matter. Christians serve the Lord with their hearts. They don't just look Christian on the outside. They are Christians on the inside with their heart. They love the Lord, their God, with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their might. They they love him. They want to serve him. It's a heart thing. Is it a heart thing for you? Christians in this room, does your heart love the Lord? Or are you just good at being good in the setting that you're in? Incline your hearts to him. The people say, we will serve the Lord, our God, and that we will obey his voice. Listen, there's going to be a lot of preaching this week. John MacArthur comes to your summer camp. Come on, we need a t-shirt for that or something. John MacArthur comes to your summer camp. Austin Duncan's going to be here. And they're going to preach the word of God. And when you preach the word of God and you're committed to this book, sometimes it's hard. I'm preaching a hard message to you. It's not always easy to hear and it kind of ruffles your feathers a little bit. But when they preach to you, it's because God said these things. He said these things for us. And he's saying these things and and his people say, even when it's hard, we will obey his voice. I want you to listen very closely and very attentively to what God is saying in all of these sessions. I want you to take something away from all of these sessions. What is God saying to you through his words? I want you to circle things in your notebook. I want you to highlight things in your Bible. I want you to remember things. When you get back home on Friday and you can pull out your phone again, I want you to remember things and put them in your phone. I want you to remember things because his people will obey his voice. It matters when he speaks. And he's going to be speaking all week long through servants of his. Verse 25. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made for them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law. This this was something that people were gonna pay attention to for a long time, that these people said they were committing to the Lord. And he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak tree that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. So these people are making this statement in the presence of God by the sanctuary of the Lord. And and, and Joshua's writing this thing down. This is a big deal. Joshua said to all the people, behold, look, this stone shall be for a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord which he spoke to us. Thus it shall be for a witness against you, so that you do not deny your God. Then Joshua dismissed the people, each to his inheritance. Joshua's saying this, you, when you say we will serve the Lord, that is a big deal. And we're writing it down in stone. And we're right next to the sanctuary of God. You're saying that to him. That is a big deal. My hope is that many of you say this week, I'm going to serve the Lord. And my hope 
is that when you come to San Diego for vacation 25 years from now with your family, and you come to San Diego and you see Point Loma on the map and you, see, you say, see that place over there? That's where I committed to following the Lord and I've never looked back since. Son, daughter, you need to know about him. I hope that San Diego is significant for you for a long time. For those of you who are already in Christ, my prayer is that when you come back to San Diego, you say, that place was significant because I, maybe like never before, heard the voice of the Lord through his word and I committed to following it by his strength, by his power, because his Holy Spirit is in me and I grew like never before and I was made to be strong. I hope San Diego is a significant place for all of you. So when you make a commitment to the Lord, it's significant. And you're doing it in San Diego this week. The right view about what it takes to serve the Lord is that it takes an exclusive commitment. Nothing comes between you and the Lord. And listen, just to be clear, I'm not telling you that you have to be perfect yourself in your own strength, in your own power to get to heaven. That's called self-righteousness, works righteousness. That is not the Christian gospel. The Christian gospel is that Christ came to die for you as a sinner. You, You can't earn your way to heaven. This is not a call to be perfect in order to be accepted by God. Christ died for your sin. Confess your sin to him. This is a call to bring your sin, bring your idolatry, bring your competing allegiances to him, and expose it before the Lord at the very beginning of your relationship to him. Say, it's all here. Don't make him say, well, what else is back there? What else are you holding on to? What else competes with me? Nothing. Nothing. It's all here. My views about sexuality, my views about money, my views about marriage, my views about boyfriends and girlfriends, my views about church, my views about everything. It's all right here. I confess it all. I want to live according to your word. Please forgive all of this garbage. Please forgive all of this garbage. Consider me perfect and bring me to heaven. Forgive all of it. I'm not hiding anything. I'm not keeping anything back from you. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about earning your way to heaven. We're talking about bringing all your idols before him and saying, take all these away from me. I'm not holding on to anything else. There were some people in the Bible that did this the wrong way, tried to commit to Christ the wrong way, and some that committed to him the way he commanded. There was a man, we know him as the rich young ruler. He was wealthy, self-righteous, and he came to ask Jesus what it took to have eternal life. Jesus said, Obey all the commandments. I've done that. Jesus said, okay, give your money to the poor. And the Bible says that the man went away sad. Why? He loved money and prestige more than he loved Christ. He went away sad. It's the wrong view. He thought he could make a simple commitment to the Lord, but he couldn't. He couldn't make an exclusive commitment to the Lord. Went away sad. There's another man in the Bible, short little man, named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was wealthy also. Zacchaeus got his money in ways that were not so above board. His people didn't really like the fact that they took their money and gave it to the Romans. They didn't like that. But Zacchaeus was wealthy, and he was good at what he did. He was the chief tax collector. And Zacchaeus 
came face to face with the Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house today. And Zacchaeus, as the whole procession is moving through the streets, Zacchaeus stopped everything and said, Lord, I'm paying people back. And I'm paying people back more than I took from them. Zacchaeus went from a lover of money to a lover of Jesus Christ. He went to someone who was greedy and selfish and self-promoting to someone who gave it all up. The rich young ruler wouldn't give it up. Zacchaeus did. And he became instant friends with the Lord. There were two men one day in the temple. There was a man who dressed the part, looked really good, was a really good guy. People would have liked this guy. He was a Pharisee. And he said, God, thank you that I'm not like other people. I do all these things. How can people do all these bad things? How can there be murder and graffiti and lying and gossip? How can there be all that? God, thank you that I'm not like them. And that man was not justified in the sight of God. That man did not own his sin. He thought he was above sin. He was not saved. There was a man next to him that was a tax collector, just like Zacchaeus. And he was beating his chest because he was so sad about who he was as a person. So sick of being a sinner. He was beating his chest and pleading, God, please be merciful to me. I don't deserve to be right with you. Please be merciful to me. And this man, the Bible says, was justified. You know what justified means? Innocent. He was innocent in the eyes of God. Why? He owned his sin. Owned it all. Nothing now stood between him and the Lord. He owned it all. There are, in Revelation 21, the last book of the Bible, there are people who are called sexually immoral. And Revelation 21 says that their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur. Unrepentant sexual sinners burning with fire and sulfur. There was a lady in the Bible named Mary. Many thought this lady was a prostitute. Many thought that this lady was full of wickedness because the Lord cast out demons from her. She was a horrible lady. And the Lord forgave her sin. And she went from being wicked and horrible to being the one that was at the cross when the other disciples fled. She was at the cross. She was at the burial of Christ when Joseph brought him to the tomb. She was, at, she was there when she heard about the resurrection. She was committed to the Lord. Went from a sinner to one committed to the Lord. Why? Because nothing else mattered except for her allegiance to him. I want you to be Zacchaeus. I want you to be the repentant tax collector. I want you to be repentant Mary so that you can have that relationship with Christ because nothing else matters. Give it all up to follow him. And he promises that when he draws people to himself, he will raise you up on the last day. You will be strong. You will be steadfast. You will be fixed. You will be immovable because he is your Lord and he is your savior and you gave everything up to follow him.
Let's pray. Father, you do not call us to make you part of our life. You call us to make your son our life. Would you help the young people in here do that? Would you help the believers in this room to continue putting off the sin that could lead to idolatry still? Help them to, help them to kill it, to put it away. Help everyone in this room to see the value of following your precious son, Jesus Christ. Father, make this a group, make this 800 people strong who sing of your salvation, sing of your attributes, sing of your character, sing of your holy name and mean it from their heart and tell others about you so that all the world will know that you are worth giving up everything for. We pray this in your son's name, amen.